Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. And I certainly hope you are, if you're a Grizzlies fan, because it's an exciting day after what was an exciting afternoon yesterday. The Grizzlies with one of the bigger trades that we've seen in quite a while. And it was such a big trade. I had to get some folks on here to talk with them. You know them from Grizzly Bear Blues, two of my favorite guests, probably my two favorite guests. That would be Parker Fleming of Grizzly Bear Blues and Joel Molinax of Grizzly Bear Blues, who have been kind enough to join me. Parker, Joe, how are y'all tonight? I was going to let Joe go first, but you know what, Sean? I'm doing pretty good. Just anxious, anxious for draft night, anxious for all the moves. Um, I really hate that this is the time where – like the moves are hitting. I wish they would have waited till Thursday. I like literally have one of the busiest weeks of work of the year. So it's going to be very tough to, to multitask here, but you know what? Happy to have it. I'm happy to have all this action here. Parker. I don't want to hear it. I'm moving Parker. I am physically moving my family two hours South. The news hit while I was without internet. Thank God for Sean Coleman being able to write the news post. I, I, my football season starts Thursday, my second football season in a year. Pandemics can kick rocks. Weirdest year ever. I'm very tired, and I may or may not be drinking. Let's record this podcast. <laughs> well, at least, at least this is not like it was between 2017 and early 2019, where we're talking about a Brooksgate or a botch transaction. We're talking about once point. again. Yeah, we're talking about, once again, not only a move that in and of itself presents a lot of fun and a lot of potential, but just one that could lead to so many. But let's let's get right to it. Parker, Joe, Parker, we'll start with you, your initial reaction when you saw the move, especially with the added details from the report that came out yesterday. So I just saw notifications on my phone. I just saw a stack of Slack notifications and Slack like a little stack of messages and I saw what happened in my, Oh, and then probably some words I can't say on this podcast. I did not anticipate Jonas Valanciunas being the deal. I kind of wanted to entertain it when the initial rumors came out like, Oh, I like, could they do a little like Jonas. I, I could see Adams being in it. If there's another deal for Jonas, but Jonas being in the deal that caught me off guard. I think the biggest thing in it is not only moving up to 10, there's two other things that really stuck with me is one, they got one of those Laker picks, and now they have three picks more than likely for 2022. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But also the fact that they may even want to move up again and go after a James Booknight or a Jonathan Kaminga. So it's going to be a very exciting draft night. So, Joe, you said, obviously, you're moving on your end, but now to add to the fun – the whole conversation of the value of Jonas Valanciunas comes back into play. Your thoughts at the most inopportune time when it comes to uh, your personal uh, movie going on. Well, first off, just it being perfectly clear that Zach Kleiman does not care about my personal life, which that's, that's neither here nor there. I don't want to take it too personally, Zach. But I will say this, and you guys have known me a while, so you know this to be true. This isn't a bit. I was mad that I let people convince me that Jonas Valanciunas is better than he is. And if you've read my writings over at grizzlybearblues.com lately, you will notice that I have slowly but surely eased my criticisms and said, you know what, maybe Jonas is going to be here long term. 
Maybe they value Jonas. Maybe they want him to stick around. Maybe they'll keep him over Kyle. That's not what I would do, but maybe that's what they would do. Maybe that's what Zach Kleiman and company, that's what's going on in their noodle. But, eh, wrong answer. That's not what occurred. In fact, Jonas Valanciunas, again, was traded. And again, it's for reasons that are relevant to not wanting to pay him or not wanting to give him an extension that would not fit their timeline. Sounds familiar, like the same reason the Toronto Raptors, in part, traded him to the Memphis Grizzlies in the first place. So I I think that my first thought was I should have trusted what I had thought initially and really ridden the idea that Jonas was going to be the guy. Because even in my piece that I wrote for the blog uh, this past Monday, yesterday, I talk about how "Eh, it could be Jonas, it could be Kyle, it could be Grayson, and it still could be those guys. But Jonas being the first piece, I should have I should have stuck to my guns and seen that more. So I was mad at myself, first and foremost, which, you know, is in line with my brand. From there, I thought that this wasn't it. And, you know, Parker alluded to it, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. They're not going to make three picks in the 2022 NBA draft. That's not going to happen. They're going to use those to try to move up. Do they get to nine and take on the Buddy Heald contract without giving up 10? And they just go 9-10 in this draft? Do they try to get up to number seven? What would it look like with Golden State? Would they have to take on the Wiggins deal? Would they have to take on some other money to, uh, to free up some money for Golden State? Maybe a trade exception sort of thing so they could go out and get, you know, uh, uh, maybe you used Eric Bledsoe's deal or even Adams if they wanted it. You know, obviously there's different ways they could do it. Maybe uh, to take a note from you, Sean, they just decide to take a really good role player in Kyle Anderson and they give up 14 for that. And then the Grizzlies have another asset to try to trade up again. Um, you, you know, they're not done. This is not it. So in, in a vacuum, I like the trade. I think it's a very good trade for New Orleans, and I think it's a very good trade for Memphis. I don't necessarily think there's a loser here. The Pelicans are being pressured to be better than they are by Zion Williamson and his camp, whereas the Grizzlies, at least on the outside, do not have such pressure from John Morant. So they, can, they must have Morant bought into the vision that they are trying to establish apparently Williamson is not as bought into that ideal and to me that is kind of the underlying tone here the Pelicans are being forced essentially to go get Kyle Lowry to be more active in a shallow free agency market whereas the Grizzlies are taking the shout out Parker Fleming long view and they are saying the 2022 free agency cycle trades to take up cap space this year are valuable similar to what they did with Andre Iguodala similar to what they did, obviously, on a lesser scale with the Mike Conley trade, they are looking ahead. They are still not thinking that they are a contender. This was very much a rebuilding move. And I've said all along, and I think I said it on the show recently with you, Sean, the most fascinating thing about this draft was it was going to be our first peek into what Zach Kleiman thinks of this roster now. He still sees them as rebuilding. And I think that really shines through in this trade. But just as much, I highly expect them to make another deal to get up in this draft, if at all possible. Agree completely. And that, that's what it is. You know, it's the layers of the deal. The, with the Grizzlies, it's never surface level, right? You know, on the surface, you're giving up the best player. You're giving up your first-round pick, and you're taking on less than the desirable contracts. That doesn't make sense. But in the long view, take away from Park Fleming, uh, <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. But let's focus on the Jonas aspects fact of things, because, yes, there's two truths here. Jonas was a phenomenal, phenomenal presence on this roster, did his job every single day, 
consistently, got better doing it, and his strengths really minimize some of the weaknesses of this Grizzlies team. He also really embraced this young roster very well. Absolutely was loved by the fan base as well as this team. But the strengths of Jonas Valanciunas were not to the point of making this Grizzlies team a true contender in the in the West or even a you know realistic 6-5-4 seed in the West. They were more used to take away the clear flaws of this team, especially when it came to not shooting the three. Jonas Valanciunas being able to create second chance points led to extra possessions. That kept us in games when we weren't shooting the three well. The end of the day, I kind of agree with Joe. He's beloved and he should be, but he's more valuable as a complimentary piece than as the main value piece or one of the top three pieces on a team in the NBA. It's just the truth. And he's due a raise, right? Like he's due money. He's going to get paid almost certainly more than he's making right now. He'll probably get paid a comparable amount to what Steven Adams got from the Pelicans just this past year. So obviously new Memphis Grizzlies, Steven Adams. Um, So I'm a believer that they got out while the getting was good when it comes to Jonas Valanciunas. And he is not a big that you can have on a roster in the modern NBA that is going to be, as you alluded to, Sean, one of your main cogs. He's just not. If he was, he would have stayed with the Toronto Raptors and he wouldn't have gotten traded for a past-his-prime Marcus Gasol and the Raptors got better after that deal and won an NBA championship. That, that would not have occurred if Jonas was seen as that type of player. That doesn't mean he can't be a productive regular season player. You can make a very sound statistical argument that Jonas Valanciunas is the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies or was the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies. I wouldn't agree with that argument. I think that lacks a lot of context, but there is sound statistical data that would argue that point. My my follow-up to that, Sean, is the, the Grizzlies just are not in a place where they have the roster to care in terms of depth, in terms of superstar depth. Obviously, they have a lot of good, sound, rotational players, and Jonas is a solid starter in the NBA, but he is not some otherworldly, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now, like the JV Hive makes him out to be. Steven Adams can set good screens. Steven Adams can rebound. Steven Adams is a better defender. Now he looks a little more rigid in New Orleans this past year than he has in the past. That makes me a little bit nervous. But in theory, the idea of Steven Adams is a better defender than Jonas Valanciunas. There really isn't as much of a loss except for the hands. Jonas is a great receiver of the basketball at the rim. Very efficient scorer in and around the paint. I'll give him that. That's where he's stronger than Adams. But if I am looking at this through the larger scale They're trying to move up again. They have an additional draft asset now. They have the ability to continue to make these moves that will further the organization as this decade continues on. I'm fine with it. I I think that Jonas served his purpose. I think that he was a great cultural fit for this team as a veteran. I agree with that completely. But again, you could say the same thing about Jay Crowder, and Jay Crowder was a much worse player for the Grizzlies than Jonas Valanciunas was. But these veteran guys, they're valuable. And then if you're rebuilding a roster, you eventually say goodbye to them. And fans don't like to hear that. I know folks will miss Jonas. But in terms of getting maximum value for a guy that was probably not in your long-term plans, the Grizzlies hit a solid double with this trade. 
the NBA draft just got a lot more exciting for the Grizzlies. And the great thing about it is, is that you want to make sure that you're covered when it comes to draft night in a way that's unique through the Locked On Podcast Network than anywhere else. For one, we've got NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked On NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will all be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Bill Barber. What sets the Locked On NBA Draft live show apart is that you get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. We're all excited, obviously, because the Grizzlies have made moves to upgrade parts on their roster to make it better. Well, at times, as a car owner, you got to do the same thing to parts in your automobile to make it better as well. And if you need to do that, rockauto.com is the place to visit. rockauto.com is wonderful because within a few clicks of the button, you're likely going to find what you need. And regardless of the make and model, regardless of you know the specific car parts, you're likely going to find what you need. Whether you're someone who does your own car repairs, you do, you know, others do repairs for you, or you do repairs for others for a living, rockauto.com is a great place because it's economically feasible. The, these folks know because they're a family-owned business, they've been in business for over 20 years, they know that car parts typically fall out of budget, so they want to make them affordable for you. When you go to rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low price, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. And so, Parker, I'll, I'll direct it towards you with this. So, who's to gain the most from this? So, so Jonas, with Jonas going to New Orleans, you're getting Steven Adams back, but you're probably not expecting Steven Adams to perform to the level that Jonas did. Who's to gain more from the, the most from this in terms of a player in their role increasing next year? And kind of make it besides Kyle Anderson, because do you think this also increases the chance that Kyle Anderson could be a long-term investment now? So you said I can't bring up Kyle Anderson. Yeah, yeah. His long-term the, the, the impact on his long-term future with the Grizzlies, but besides him, who steps up from this roster to take advantage of Jonas not being what he was last year? Uh, I'll bite my tongue on Kyle right now because there's still other moves that could be made. Uh, I think it was Joe that brought up Tyus and Kyle for Wiggins in seven or something like that. Was 10 included in that, Joe? No, 10 was not included in that. Uh, okay, I think so... That- you know, there's variations of that, and I wrote about the Buddy Heald version of that with the Kings in my article before all this occurred. Uh, between seven, eight, nine, you know, Terrence Ross, I think, has three or two years left on his contract with the Magic. You've got the Buddy Heald deal. You've got Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins. All three of the teams in front of Memphis right now have long-term money on the books that if the Grizzlies are not really committed to investing in free agency, which they're clearly not, they can pretty easily move up. And I would argue because of the extra picks they acquired, or the extra pick, excuse me, they moved up in the second round, and then they got the Lakers uh, 2022 uh, first, they could probably move up to 7, 8, or 9 without having to give up 10. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden you have two lottery picks on a rebuilding team. When you look at the Grizzlies through that rebuilding lens, holy crap, they just got two lottery picks out of, you know, obviously deals had to be made, but – they, they got two lottery picks. Again, if you look at them as a playoff team, you're going to be disappointed in these moves. It's going to happen. If you look at them as a team that's still rebuilding, like clearly Zach Kleiman does, these are moves that are smart for the long-term health of the Memphis Grizzlies. And they're not mm-hmm. really going to hurt them that much in the long run because, again, Steven Adams is not as good as Jonas Valanciunas. 
But is he really that bad? No, he's not no. really that bad. No. Eric Bledsoe doesn't need to play a single second for the Memphis Grizzlies because you know whose role he fills? He fills Justice Winslow's role. Justice Winslow didn't play very well for the Memphis Grizzlies. They could wave Eric Bledsoe tomorrow. It's not about Eric Bledsoe. It's roughly about Steven Adams. It's almost entirely about the draft selections that they earned and the ability to continue to build upon it. That's what these trades were about. Yeah, for sure. I would honestly, Sean, to your question, I want to give two answers here. And they're kind of paired together. It's Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. Because when it comes to like the long view construction of the Memphis Grizzlies, you know what? Kyle Anderson could be that guy who ends up being next to Jaron Jackson in the long view. And, you know, when the Grizzlies are hopefully playing in big Western Conference finals and NBA finals games down the road. But we're we're a year removed from saying that that guy was supposed to be Brandon Clark. And Brandon Clark's not a bad basketball player. I know that the his demise set of the rotation was kind of kind of weird. It's no secret he dealt with injuries. And for a guy dealt that his game relies on athleticism, if you're dealing with lower leg injuries, especially especially ones that are just kind of lingering, it's gonna have an effect on your game. And they didn't have enough time to rest. They didn't practice for like two months. And I, I think that that kind of played a factor, you know, they just had a lot of guys that could play and a lot of good players had to sit out. We saw it with Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones, Grayson Allen, Xavier Tillman, good players sit out. And I think for both Tillman and Clark, they offer unique paths as to how you can build around uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the front court, because McClark, you have that dream of you have it to where you have two switchy big men and you have Jaron doing like more of the pick-and-pop stuff while Brandon Clark's more of the roller. And when those two guys played without Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill because those two guys are never going to be in the long-term picture of the Memphis Grizzlies, in that 2019-20 season, they outscored opponents by 15 points per 100 possessions. That's like in the 99th, 100th time in the league. And Xavier Tillman... It's that same level of interchangeability and switchability defensively, but he also has potential to be this like bruising three and D big man that kind of fits his, I would say kind of like a middle class Millsap kind of way. And you kind of have like this little vibe like we saw like in the early Memphis days where Pau Gasol was technically the four and the late Lorenz and Wright was technically the five even though Pau Gasol was taller than right. I think you can get the same kind of vibes with Jackson and Tillman. So, I mean, depending on how they go, I mean, if they draft Franz Wagner, I don't really, I don't, I don't know how that affects things, but uh, I, I think that this trade, it works best for them and how things go for them for the future. Because as Joe said, Steven Adams isn't a long-term picture of things. He's, I don't know if he's going to be on the team Past draft night or past this week. I mean, I hope he's here for the season. He seems like he's going to be a pretty fun cover, but when it comes to the long-term construction and things, you really hope that it's one of Brandon Clark or Xavier Tillman or even Kyle Anderson. So, And I can't remember who I saw say it, but I think it was put well. With Jonas gone, you kind of take the training wheels off, right? He was your consistent cog on offense. That really was the poster child of being able to produce in the paint due to the lack of shooting that was on this roster when Taylor Jenkins inherited it, and though he's added shooting since. But with Jonas now gone, that safety valve gone, 
the Grizzlies also have an opportunity to kind of have a philosophical change, right? You know, the quote earlier from this year, we made 19 threes, but even more importantly, we attempted 39. More of a distant shooting type philosophy on offense, and you've got the assets to make that happen. Now the focus shifts to who the targets that make the most sense in the top 10 stand out to be. Guys, and and, and, uh, Parker, I'll start with you. Who do you think really stands out as being filling probably that roster need of a wing, but also that significant shooting upside? About in the draft or just on the roster? No, I was asking in terms of the top 10, who fits the roster need of a wing, but also probably the skill set need of of significant shooting upside? Probably has to be Moody, right? I mean, he... I think his shooting numbers and efficiency is it's going to go up with NBA spacing and NBA playmakers. Even though Eric Musselman runs like a pro style offense in Arkansas, he just didn't have really any good playmakers surrounding him. He had to take on a lot of creation responsibilities. Uh, when I was doing my player profile on him, I was kind of taken back because he was in like the 97th percentile in pick and roll scoring, but also like the majority of his shots uh, were guarded like on spot up attempts. Uh, I think he's just going to benefit well playing off the – just wait for it, John. I'm going to say it here. Playing off the gravity of John Morant, Dylan Brooks, oh, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. I think he's going to benefit off playing with a guy that's like a top 10 to 50, top ten playmaker in John Morant. And I, he'll see a lot more open looks, a lot more in-rhythm looks. And he had he's not the tallest wing. I think he's about 6'6". Six, six. But he has that seven foot, seven one wingspan, which will make him a good defender on like one through three. Uh, I think he kind of has this upside where, you know, I'm not going to say Middleton. Like Middleton's a high upside, but he can he fall somewhere between Bridges and Middleton and be kind of like that elite role playing cornerstone kind of what I, I can't really categorize. I don't I don't like throwing elite role player out there a whole lot anymore. And it's just a it was a very cliche term I used too much, but I think Moody is the the safest bet there. I mean, with Giddy, I, I kind of have skepticism over how he translates off ball, but I still think he's. I think he honestly, aside from Kaminga, has the most star upside. But yeah, I would have to go with Moody though, unless there's another trade in the works where they even go from forty to like early 30s, late 20s. Joe, are you of the... It, it, I know that Moody has been at the top of mine and Parker's Grizz boards, I guess for lack of a better word, for a while. Uh, who you got on your end? I'm okay with Moody. I, I think that the, the thing that I like most about this trade is even if they don't make another move, right? Even if they stay at 10. I think that they have a lot of good options for that, to use Parker's overused phrase, elite role player. You don't need a star on the Memphis Grizzlies right now if you are doing a long-term rebuild. You need that kind of player that's going to prioritize and emphasize what John Morant, your clear number one, and hopefully Jaron Jackson Jr., your clear number two, are able to physically do. You need that third man. Right. And, and I think that if you are not buying into the idea that they need a third star to compete right now and you're being more patient in terms of rebuilding, they can bring in a Moses Moody, who I do think I, I see his skill set and I understand why you guys like him so much. He's going to have growing pains. 
right? Like, I don't see him jumping from Arkansas and being the rookie of the year. I don't see that for him. Mm-hmm. I see him struggling to transition to the NBA. Even though he did play in a pro-style offense, I just don't see him flourishing right away for some reason. Like, when I watch him on film, it doesn't pop to me like, oh, gosh, that guy's going to be a day one contributor. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. And that doesn't mean that he's not worth taking. I can't stress that enough. Again, we're talking long picture here. We're talking long view. I think that, and Sean, you sent the article, the USA Today article that you motivated. How awesome is that, Sean Coleman, um, for you know, you know, your brilliance covering the NBA draft last year, literally predicting their, uh, their draft model. And the writer of that piece, he he landed on Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner, excuse me, of Michigan. He landed on him and said he would make sense for the Grizzlies. And I don't. Maybe it's because I'm getting six eleven with a ratchet uh, vibes from him, and everybody knows how much I love Chandler Parsons. Um, but I, I feel like using formula that you guys, and again, I would highly recommend a you check out Sean's work over at the blog because he's continuing to to uh, try to reenact his magic from a year ago um check out his stuff as the week progresses and then also uh the article i I, sean what's his name again i apologize i don't have it up in front of me um the writer from usa today i I did not have is it it brian kalbrowski brian kalbrowski that's exactly it thank you Mm -hmm. thank you parker so shout out to shout out to him for doing a tremendous job on that piece i read it and he argues in a similar way that you did a year ago for the Desmond Baines and Xavier Tillmans and Killian Tillies of the world. He argues for Wagner. And I don't fully understand why Grizzlies fans seem to not like that idea. I think that maybe it's because he is not that pure creator off the dribble that so many think the Grizzlies correctly need. Uh, but again, he, he's a bigger wing. He's a malleable wing. He can do a lot of different things. He can shoot. He can dribble some. He's not as good as a Moody off of that off of that dribble, but he, he can do those things. And again, he has the potential to be a malleable rotation fit defensively. And I like his two-way possibilities. I like the way that he could play alongside Jaron, alongside Adams now. I think he makes sense next to Kyle if Kyle stays on the roster. I think that he makes a lot of sense. So I like Josh Giddy for a similar reason. You know, a longer, bigger wing that can be that playmaker. You know, I know that we need to get some buckets, and that's important. But I also believe that you hope for growth if Grayson Allen sticks around. And he'll certainly stay in the rotation if Grayson Allen sticks around. We all know that. Uh, so if Grayson Allen sticks around, obviously another year for Desmond Bain. DeAnthony Melton, if he sticks around. Uh, you know, I, I just see a lot of internal development off the dribble for those guards, those combo guards. I don't know that they have to force a fit if it's not there at, at 10. If Wagner falls to them, he's a bigger wing that can do that some, not as well as Moody or somebody like that. But I don't think it would be the end of the world if they selected him, if they didn't move up. Now, if they move up to eight or seven, I'll bet they're off. You go get Moody, I'd be fine with that. I think long-term he's, he has a higher ceiling. But at the same time, Wagner checks a lot of boxes in terms of what this team needs in addition to the creation off the dribble. If you are a fan of wagering and betting on sports, it's obviously been a fun month of July so far with all that's been going on, but you still have the NBA draft. 
the Olympics, just so many things going on that you can enjoy. And if wagering and betting is what, you know, helps you as a fan enjoy sports more, BetOnline is the place that has you covered. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On. To sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbooks experts. So yeah, then that uh, leads. Go ahead, Parker. Oh yeah, I, I was going to jump in on Vodner because I had um, CJ Marchesani of the the Stifen on my podcast Longview a couple weeks ago, and he has Vodner fifth, and we just kind of pointed just the fact of like those baseline skills that he's already so good at, and he's just only 19 years old. Uh, you can defend like a madman. I mean, his three point, his performance in the March Madness tournament and his shooting performance there kind of scare people off. I mean, his mechanics aren't broken, and he's like an eighty percent foul on shooter, and that's usually a good barometer of three point translation in the NBA. And he can pass, he can rebound, and I, I mean, I think one of the the most tantalizing things with him is he grew to six eleven. And if you're surrounding John Morant with guys that are six seven, six nine. 6'11 and 7 foot or however tall Jaren is that's going to hide his defensive woes so much like so well and you're going to have three front court guys that can switch and defend all over the floor I think he'd be pretty fun granted like I said I'm I'm more on Moody I'm but I, I think like what you said Joe I don't know why people are so low on Franz Vonder when I know people are like, oh, like with that guy like that age, you you want to hear like upside over safe pick. I don't know why there's this uh, negative connotation with safe pick and in this like pizzazz with upside, but it's just draft a good player and Franz Vonder is a good player. So that that's just kind of my two cents there, Sean, on uh, just whether it's Moody or or Vonder or even Giddy. So then the thing about it is, is that to me, what stands out is that I think that Moody probably is up there, but that's the other beauty of this draft is that you've got probably three or four different guys who you really could make sense of staying at 10 to get. Now, if they highly, you know, want to go get up and get book night or boat night, that that's perfectly fine. But this lays out different scenarios, right? So I want to lay out a few scenarios for y'all. The first one is that the Grizzlies use whatever assets they need to, to get up to seven, to get their guy. Okay. The second one is that they're able to use 10 plus some variation of Bledsoe and um, Stephen Adams, 10 to go up to nine and turn Adams into Buddy Healed. Or they potentially could trade back into the first round. If you were to prioritize that, what would be your biggest priority? Trading up to get the guy you truly want making, keeping a lottery pick and turning Steven Adams into Buddy Heald or keeping all the assets that you possibly can by staying at 10 and trading back up into the first round and getting a high upside pick. Any of those stand out as a the next big move over the others? I think they're going to move up. And I could see Adams to the king. I would be perfectly fine with Steven Adams staying. I think, you know, people are holding on to the Zebo stuff from eight years ago a little too much there. Uh, I would be fine with Adam staying. It, it doesn't scare me off his number and, and all of those things. But I, I know Sacramento is probably not going to be able to keep Holmes as a free agent center. 
They may have interest in Adams in terms of being that screen setter for a De'Aaron Fox and see the value there. So I, I don't know that it would be a bad fit for him to go to Sacramento and then you take on the Buddy Heald contract and move up to nine. But my only concern would be now you've added another, you know, somewhat undersized, somewhat defensively uh, struggling wing. And you, you have a lot of those already. So what's the next step beyond that? Are you trying to move on from Grayson? Are you, are you trying to move on from Melton for some reason? Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't move on from Melton. But again, if he's not going to play for Taylor Jenkins and the front office is okay with that, then what are we talking about? You, know, you want to try to get as much uh, benefit out of the asset. And I know they're players and human beings, but, you know, the front office can't think like that exclusively. They have to think about what's best for the cap sheet, what's best for the long-term vision of the organization in terms of winning basketball games. So I, I could definitely see them making another trade. I'm not sure they're done in any way, shape, or form. I believe they're going to do something else, try to get up to guarantee that they can get their guy. Because at 10, you know, Giddy could be there, Wagner could be there, uh, maybe Scotty Barnes falls for some reason. Jalen Johnson almost certainly will be there at 10. You know, there's a lot of guys that could be there that could that could fit, in theory, what the Grizzlies have done in the past. But at the same time, if they really want to guarantee that they can get to a Moody, because they've worked out Moody, they've been attached to Moody. You mentioned Kaminga earlier, Parker. You know, that would be a heck of a home run swing. Like, if we're talking about them going for that third star in this draft, if they could somehow get up to seven or eight Kamingas there and they make that pick, you know, that, that would be the we're hoping this guy turns into a star selection. You know, Wagner would be safe. I'd say Moody would be more safe than Kaminga in this draft. Kaminga could be a star. Kaminga could also be a flameout. Like, that would not surprise me in the least. Moody and Wagner, if they flamed out, I'd be more shocked by that. So I believe they're going to move up to give themselves the absolute best chance to take the guy that they see as most valuable. And in Thursday night's media availability, Zach Kleiman will come out and say, this is the guy we coveted all along. This is the reason we did all these things, exhibit A, B, and C. And that's the likely end to this. I don't believe they'll pick a 10. I think they're going to move up. So then Parker shifting over, though, is that moving up certainly makes sense. And let's put it this way. The Grizzlies can do whatever they want to do. But me and you have talked about it extensively. I truly do feel, and especially with the fact that they we know they've talked with or worked out, Cam Thomas, Josh Christopher, JT Thor, I'm sure I've mentioned a few. There are probably five to seven. We talked about Jaden Sprinker. There are likely going to be five to seven really logical upside swing picks who are going to be available after pick 15 or 20 in this draft. And now with three 2022 picks and number 40, it really does make sense for this Grizzlies team to find a target in the late first round in this draft, use a 22 first plus 40 to get up and get their guy in the 20s of this draft. I really think that's a move as well. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Whether it's future seconds uh, I said this to you before we started the show. I think if they end up getting Moody or or James Booknight, I mean, what's stopping them from using 40 and Grayson Allen and going to move into the late second? And likewise, if it's Giddy, I can see them doing the same thing with Tyus Jones, like doing 40 and Tyus for somewhere in the late 20s. And I think it's just a very fun upside swing that has zero risk to it whatsoever. 
because you got your crown jewel of the 2021 draft. You got the guy that may end up being a cornerstone guy next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. I know I had people saying like, oh, like let's just manage expectations, but that's the reality of it. They're a lot like they're lottery picks. You can have those kind of expectations on them. That's why the Grizzlies are trading up from 17 to 10 and maybe even higher. Uh, that that's your ticket to just kind of swing a little bit and see see how see what you want to do. Uh, Josh Chris, I mean, if they came out of draft now, I would Moses Moody and Josh Christopher, Sean, Joe, y'all may need to check on me. Uh, Sean, you may have to take my job if that's the case. I, I might just ascend straight up to heaven. Uh, JT Thor would be another one. I texted Nathan Chester about this. Like, why not go ahead and swing for BJ Boston? He's going to be down there. I mean, you have so many options. You can even just stay down there if you want and draft uh, draft Twitter favorite, the, the most interactive prospect I've ever seen on Twitter, Friends uh, Blindberg. That'd be pretty fun too. So, I mean, just so many options. And, you know, we came into this draft, like me, you, you two, a lot of other people in Grizzlies Twitter, whether it's media or just fans, just the idea of upside swinging. And I think with these move, this trade that they made today, uh, going into the top 10, and then, Sean, your idea of potentially moving with 40 and moving up to go get another guy in the early second and or late first round, that's just defining what Zach Kleiman's trying to do and swing for upside here. And then, of course, there's the big long view. Again, not trying to uh, sit here and promote Parker's great work too much here. <laughs> But you look at it from two different perspectives, Joe, in that the Grizzlies have four first-round picks between 2021 and 2022, but even more so, six first-round picks between 2022 and 2024. Going in the draft, trying to go for upside, it's great because it's going to cost less if you hit. But eventually, you now have the arsenal to go get that established one big trade. And I've talked with y'all both about it you're really setting up next summer to start to be an ideal opportunity to do it. But not only that, Joe, you now have the arsenal, the cupboard of assets, to really be able to match up against anyone to go get the guy you truly want to form the roster that you want to have with John and Jaron as a sustainable winner and hopeful contender. And I'm a huge fan of them realizing that it's probably not going to happen in free agency. Like that, they are, let, Let's not undersell how much of a price they're paying to do what they're doing. Like they're taking on veteran money that limits them in this free agency period to be sure. And could potentially limit them in the next free agency, depending on what they do with Steven Adams. Like they have consciously made the choice to go into this pocket of opportunity and try to find this guy either in this draft or potentially next draft, as you alluded to, they have a lot of picks. They could trade up in next year's draft too, if there's somebody they really like, or they could do it via trade. They could try to take the, the, the salary of Steven Adams, the money of Bledsoe. They could pair a Tyus Jones and a Grayson Allen. That's roughly about, you know, 11 or 12 million bucks. And they could try to do some combination of the money on the roster and try to go get that wing, that dude, in the trade market. They understand that Memphis is not a free agent destination. They just aren't. But what Memphis is, is a place that if you go trade for a guy and they're there for a while, they fall in love with the place. You know, that's just the truth. Or if you 
are able to draft that player and you bring them into that Grizzly standard and you have them better understand what it means to be a Memphian and they're young and they grow up. They go from a college player or a a G League player in the case of a Kaminga perhaps and they become a man in the city of Memphis. You know, they put down roots a little bit. It becomes a little harder to leave. And and I think that that's the, the right play for the Memphis Grizzlies. It just is. They're they're not going to be an attractive free agency destination. That's L.A., that's, that's Brooklyn, that's New York, that's Miami. That's the reality of things. But what they can be is a place where you bring somebody in and you see the, 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 the beauty that is Memphis, Tennessee. You see the fan base and how educated they are in the game of basketball, how passionate they are about it. And, and you, you get one over in that way. To me, that is the way to build this team into a sustainable winner. And clearly, the front office agrees with that. So this trade, in the long term, puts them in a position to be able to get the guy that they want, next to Jaw especially, but also Jaron, while doing so in a a way that is realistic for them, whether it's by trade. Bradley Beal just got a little more realistic, at least in terms of draft acumen that you have. You still don't have the star player. Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams don't move that needle. You could argue Jonas Valanciunas would have done that more than those two. So that's why I think this is more about the draft. I think this is more about them wanting to move up to 9, 8, or 7, guaranteeing their shot at the guy that they like the best and getting that player. Or if they you know, package things differently, getting a pick at 7 and 10, and now you have two lottery selections and you have two guys that will hopefully be starters long-term contributors next to John, Jaron. And again, they can grow together. They can fall in love with Memphis together. They can have all of this stuff coincide and directly correlate with one another. And it leads to a place where you feel like you built it. And when you feel like you built it, it's a hell of a lot harder to leave when you feel like you built the place that you're potentially going to exit from. And I, I think that is the smartest way to go about this. You want them you want John Morant to feel like he's the cornerstone of the, of the building you're trying to erect. You want Jaron Jackson Jr. to feel like he's an important part. You want these new young wings to feel the same way. And you want them to grow old together in an NBA sense, much like the way that Mike Conley, Marc Gasol, and I know Marc Gasol was a little bit different. And obviously the core four was unique because they traded for Zach Randolph. They signed Tony Allen. But I think the most efficient and most proven way – for a small merch to have that success is to get as many bites at the NBA draft apple as you can. And it, it would appear that that climate agrees with that philosophy. Yeah, Sean, and to, and to kind of just jump in, you know, uh, Joe mentioned just how it's even more possible to trade for a guy like Bradley Beal. I think what that's also what trading up does. Uh, I kind of see it that way with, um, with Josh Giddy or book night or Kaminga more than any of them is, you know, I think right now at this point, you're not making a Bradley Beal trade without giving up Jaron Jackson Jr. I don't think that you can do that right now. You know, I think Dylan Brooks has played his way up to where, I mean, if you have the, the right draft assets around him or even the right role players around him, you can have him be the centerpiece of a trade. It'd be more fixated on draft capital, but you're hoping that you can develop potentially either those guys develop up to where they're right there with John Jaron as that kind of like core four or big three kind of thing, or they're that guy that helps you go get that big fish. That's probably 
the the one A or one B to to Jaws one A or one B while Jaron Jackson Jr. kind of gets to play that like Kevin Love or Chris Bosh role on a championship team. No, I think y'all absolutely nailed it. And at the end of the day, again, two truths come into play. You've got a front office that continues to do everything right and continues to make the move on grander scales that it needs to, but continues to get it right. And number two, you keep having options on different layers, the draft, making the big move, whatever it may be. And it's such a contrast to where we were even 30 months ago. It's just nice to see it happen. Obviously, it's going to be years before you know the true value of it, but it's just nice to be cheering and covering a team that truly gets it and is doing things with the best of the NBA now. It's truly great to see. Guys, what else do y'all have to add before uh, we, uh, we we find out the great work y'all are going to be offering through Grizzly Bear Blues uh, this week and uh, obviously over the next few weeks when it comes to free agency? I would say just stick with grizzlybearblues.com. Follow us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. You know, we're, we're a free resource. You know, there's there's uh, uh, our Justin Lewis on Twitter pointing out that, you know, we, we posted a trade analysis article. You did that for us, Sean, and we have a great podcast coming out in the morning. I, I think I'm up to three radio appearances I'm doing in Memphis over the next few days in preparations for the draft. So Memphis is a small market, and, you know, there's realities to that. But at the same time, I think that we at GBB and, I'm, you know, two of the guys I'm talking to here are the two main reasons uh, or two of the main reasons for that. You know, we, we cover the Memphis Grizzlies just as well as anybody does. So stick with grizzlybearblues.com. Listen to Memphis Radio, great podcast like Sean. We have our GBB podcast network over uh, at, at SBN Grizzlies as well on Twitter. So lots of good stuff going on for us. Parker's great big board that he's done. Parker will have our, uh, you know, our draft coverage headed up uh, the next few days. And it's going to be fascinating to watch play out. So I'm a big fan of what we've done, and I know that it'll continue to grow. And and GBB has really taken advantage of this draft cycle even more than we have in the past, which is pretty impressive. And Sean, I just know that you're going to nail the 2021 NBA draft like you nailed last year's draft. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, you're you're going to see several of us. Joe's going to have his radio appearances. I. Um, I'm going to ruin everybody's night. I'm on a new local 24 News at, at 10 tonight uh, uh, with some perspective as well. And then, uh, and then, um, uh, but I, I will, it pales in comparison to the effort. Joe, obviously with his great work is always with, with, you know, just covering everything when it comes to the different trades and things like that. But I do want to give a special shout out to Parker Fleming, just incredible, incredible draft coverage this year, not only from the profiles that he's written and also the contributions that he's made, but just a great analysis as well. Um, it's just GBB all over, all the time, as it should be. But, Parker, a lot of that goes to you. It, it's been great coverage this year. You know, Sean, I really appreciate it. I, I really have admired your work always, but really since ever since you called Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman, and Killian Tilly, just watching you just, you just skyrocket up through through the ranks and the media ranks and watching you grow with the, the green room and locked on Grizzlies. And it's, it's all, it's all fun to see Sean. So I really yeah. appreciate you with those remarks there. Uh, yeah. I'm, you know, I've really enjoyed covering this draft a lot. It's a really oh, yeah. fascinating draft, but my Lord, I'm just ready. I'm ready for, I'm ready for summer league. I'm ready for free agency. I'm, 
I'm really glad the drafts this week. I'm like almost to a point where it's like, all right, I'm getting tired now. Let's uh, let's get this going. Let's see who we're going to get in Beale Street Blue. The only thing that can make it better, Parker, is if they were to land a Vol later on in the first round. The only thing that can make it work is if they worse if they land a Cavalier. Just that's the only thing that could ruin this whole week. So. I'm offended. I don't think... I'm offended. I know you're doing it to, to just drag it out of me, Sean. But you got me. You got me. I don't. I tell you what. I don't have to worry I about. They, any... I hope they draft Trey Murphy the third tenth, and I will champion that selection. I will say that's brilliant. Brilliant. They, that, there won't be. Memphis there won't Memphis. be a high opinion. There won't be a high opinion if they do that. Go ahead, Parker. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, I don't have to worry about any Rebels in this draft class, so no strays over at me. <laughs> well, that That's will, true. That will you do have it. to be good at basketball to have high-quality uh, NBA draft picks. That's a good point. All right, so before my two guests decide to Ooh. ruin the podcast with their animosity, <laughs> uh, their names are Parker Fleming, Joe Bowen, actually could find Parker at Paca underscore Flocka on um, Twitter, Great draft coverage, as we mentioned. But Joe Molinax, Parker Fleming, make sure to follow all their work for the latest coverage. GVB as well. Locked on Grizzlies. It's a wonderful time to be a Grizzlies fan. Hope you've enjoyed this coverage. There's going to be plenty more of it over the next few weeks and through the rest of the offseason. For Parker Fleming and Joe Molinax, my name's Sean Coleman. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.